Amen. What will you leave behind? Did you think about that as he sung that? Most of us won't be able to leave behind a lot of money, uh, lands, or anything like that, but uh, we can leave behind a good name. And uh, especially in these last days, just a little light shines great in dark times. And um, again, I thank you for allowing us to come and be part. And I promise you, I've received more help than I've been. I understand that to you. I've re- the Lord's helped us. And don't you love to hear the babies? Amen. My wife gets upset. I- I'd rather I'd rather smell baby powder as Bengay any time. But she said that's mean to the old people. I said I'm one of them. Amen. Amen. I love to hear babies. And that's raising up another generation. Amen. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. About 17 months ago, uh, we had a situation in my family uh, with my oldest son. I did not know if he was alive. I did not know at that time where he was. And because of the live stream, I don't go into all the details that we have in days gone by. but, But it was a day. Have you ever had a day in your life? And as soon as I say that, if you have to think about, well, have I ever had one, then you've probably never had one. But as soon as you make that statement, a a day when your world changed, when uh, everything became uncertain, certainties became uncertain, and uh, things that you never thought could ever come to your house, your family. And uh, it was in uh, those, those times. We were in the book of Isaiah, not really chapter by chapter, but we were just going uh, back and forth wherever the Lord was leading us in the book of Isaiah. And I sat down in the study one morning after all this had transpired and living in a little town like Burnsville, North Carolina, everybody knew, everybody was aware. And uh, I really wasn't, I mean, I was concerned, but I said, Lord, you're going to have to help me so I can go to the pulpit Sunday morning and try to help our people. And then out in meetings like this, you know, I I said, Lord, you're going to have to give us something. I don't want to be, you know, just automatic. I don't want to just be, you know, like a light switch, turn off and on. I always want to burden, especially for the last couple of years, pre-COVID, God really burdened my heart about coming to the pulpit with a message, not just an outline, but with something from God for where that we're living at in these days. And and I sat down to the study and and my heart, I, I just, you can't describe the, the, the scene that it was, but uh, I was in Isaiah chapter 43. And if you've got your place there, if you'll stand, I want to read right in the middle of this chapter and then I'll let you be seated. We may look, I don't know yet, we may look at the, the, the verses surrounding the verse tonight. I, I don't know yet if the Lord wants that, but I, I want to I preach tonight on before the day was. Before the day was. The Bible said in verse number 10 of Isaiah chapter 43, Of course, Isaiah is the human penman, but God's got his hand on Isaiah's hand. And he said, You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Verse 13 is where we're going to go as fast as we can. He said, yea, before the day was, I am he. There is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work and who shall let it. 
You can be seated. Please keep your Bibles open. Focusing on that day, a day in your life. Now, I've preached this getting near 60 or 65 times in 17 months. And I said, Lord, if you'll give me a new place to preach it and the liberty to do it, I want to share what the Lord gave us that morning. Because this is probably, and I know all the Bible's good, I know all the scripture's inspired, but this has probably helped me the most to be able to continue on, as Brother Stacy just summed, to keep on. How do you keep on when everything's turned upside down? How do you go on when your heart's ripped out? I, I mean, you don't know where to turn, what to do. You don't have the answers. You don't even know a whole lot of the questions. And see, that's where Israel was in Isaiah 43. You know, they'd been in Babylonian captivity. In chapter 40, God used Cyrus to turn that Babylonian captivity. They're on their way back back to the homeland now and uh, some of them were born in captivity 70 years some of them when they were taken off they were elders and no doubt some died in captivity those born in it probably just thought that's the way it's always been but that was not the way it had always been God loved Israel and God loved Israel enough to chasten her that's what the captivity was when God determined and God said it is enough Isaiah 40 then first three verses uh, he turned the captivity of Zion uh, that's when they said uh, uh, about in, uh, in uh, Psalms 126 how that their heart leaped uh, there was an excitement there was a refreshment and they're on their way back but it's as if they're wondering in their mind uh, does God still love me uh, does God still care five times in our short text this evening God reminds Israel that he's still God and that he still cares and he, he is still concerned. Notice in verse number 10, uh, the sovereign is revealed. He said, you are my witnesses. That's a judicial term. It means they've been summoned. Uh, they have seen God do things in days gone by. And I'd have to say among the crowd here tonight, we have witnessed the workings of God even in 2022. Talking about things we could not do, but God did. Uh, he said, you are my witnesses witnesses saith the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen. That's the nation of Israel. God chose them. Hey, God chose us. Hey, we didn't, God didn't have to have us, but we sure did have to have God. Preacher took us to a place to eat. It's hard to preach tonight. I ate so much, but you know what french fries I ate? The ones I chose. I left some of them on the table. Don't get nervous about that. He said, you are my witness saith the Lord and my servant whom I have chosen then watch this he said that you may know K-N-O-W that means to learn by seeing and believe me he didn't say believe in me that's what we did when we got saved but after Israel's been in that Babylonian captivity and they're on their way back that's just some things hard to believe I don't I'm just going to be honest I don't know if you've ever been there but sometimes it's hard to believe this Bible it's hard to believe that Moses uh, got his back against the wall at the Red Sea and God intervened. I ain't never seen the waters roll back. Uh, I ain't never seen a, a river turn into dry ground uh, and a million plus march over to the other side. He said, not believe in me, but that you may know and believe me. Have you ever had that day where it's kind of hard to believe? I ain't never been to heaven. I mean, I've seen, I ain't never seen no angels, but I've been around a lot of devils, I think. 
Sometimes it gets hard. He said that you may know and believe me. Then he said and understand. That's to separate mentally. If you've ever had that day come in your life, it messes with your mind. Is any of this real? Is anybody real? Is this just something we've done because we live in the South? Is this just what our forefathers did? Did you hear about brother so-and-so? He quit. He went AWOL. He turned against everything in the Bible. Is anybody real? Is anything real? There has been one or two days in 30 years. I've sat back wondering, is any of this real? But on December 21st, 1991, in a pickup truck, Travis Tripp in the tape player and other things in the vehicle the God of heaven came where I was showed me I was a sinner headed to hell I asked him the best I could to save my soul and he did I don't know what all is real I don't know who all is real but I know what he did that night sometimes it gets hard to trust and God understands he said that you may know and believe me and understand. Then in verse number 11, he said, I, even I, I, even I am the Lord. There's a repetition of a pronoun. Now they say that means it's a strong statement. I, even I, it's an emphatic statement. It's an enduring statement. It's a reassuring statement to the nation of Israel. I was thinking about when, when, my, when Zeke was about seven or eight, and uh, we didn't do time out and, you know, and I don't, you know, they watch on these live streams. I don't know if y'all got DHS. What do y'all got down here? But I whooped him. I whooped him with two O's. Now, Bubba, my second one, I could look at him. He just, but Zeke, he had a, a hard wheel. And I'd whipped him one time. And I went over and I sat down on the couch I was reading a book, getting ready to walk. I don't know what I was doing, but I sat down on the end of the couch. And I heard the bedroom door open, and I heard them little feet come through there. And I saw him get over on the couch. And Brother Stacy, what he started doing, he started scooting down the couch. And it wasn't very long, he was right up beside of me. You say, what was he doing, wanting another whipping? No, he wanted to know that daddy still loved him. God's reminding Israel 70 years he had to chasten her. That's what he said when you weren't chasing strange little G gods. That's why they got in trouble. But God loved them enough to chasten them. And God said it's enough. And God turned it. He is saying, I, even I am the Lord. I am the Lord. He said, and beside me there is no Savior. The word savior means deliverer and defender and helper and rescuer and preserver. That's who he is and that's everything he was to the nation of Israel. It's as if the one that is being spoken to and written to does not remember who God is and he's reminding them that he still cares. In verse number 12, he said, I have declared. That means he announced and predicted future events and every one of them came true. He warned Israel of dangers. He marked out a path like a shepherd does for the flock. I am not, there was times that they wavered and they went off course. And that's the Babylonian captivity. But he accepted them back. He drew them back. He said, I have declared and I have showed. That means he delivered. God delivered Israel over and over and over again. You know what God's done to you and I? He saved us over and over. See, delivering Savior, their first cousin, being saved is first. Not soul salvation. You get saved one time. 
there's been many times he saved us. There's been a few times in my own life he saved me from myself. My greatest enemy is the one you're listening to this evening. But God stepped in. That's what he did for Israel. He said, I, I even I am the Lord. I have declared and have saved and have showed when there was no strange God. There it is, little G, among you. Then he said there at the end of verse number 12, again, he said, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord. And he put his signature there, that Old Testament signature, that I am God. He's reminding them who he is. Might be somebody in the building tonight, you're going through something and you need the Lord to remind you that he's still real. And this is still real. And this is still real. And the songs are still real. Because I'm going to tell you, sometimes it can get so dark. That understanding gets clouded. Uh, and the flesh starts overtaking the spirit. Uh, and you're wondering. And you become doubtful. And you try to start leaning to your own understanding. And you can't figure it out. And it does not make sense. We didn't read verse 14. I ain't going to say a whole lot about it. But I do like at, at the end in verse number 14, it said, and he brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. I was reading Jewish history and one of the greatest things about the Babylonian, uh, the Babylonian capital there was there was the Tigris River and the River Euphrates. And history said there was up to 3,000 sailing vessels. There was great commerce that went up and down. That fed Babylon. They had warships. And I mean, people would just stand back in awe at those warships. But what Cyrus did, I mean, that, I, ain't no way you can preach all this. Cyrus already had an issue with Babylon. God just turned him loose uh, and he let him go. What Cyrus did was he dammed up those rivers and he dry docked every ship, every warship. And I've seen God dry dock some things that look like that's going to take us out. Look like they, they were so appalling. They were so big. They were so amazing, standing in awe. We'll never get over this. We'll never get beyond this. And God dried up. God, I make them useless of no avail. That's who God is. Their ships were removed. But you notice the verse that we skipped in verse number 13. There's a solemn reality. There's an arrival of the day. The clock struck 12 on a day in your life. You never saw it coming. I've told you since I've been here about those in our church with cancer. In January of this year, the little girl I told you about, they'll be watching probably when they get home. It was about January the 3rd. She was fine, a little 11, 12-year-old girl running around. And in one day, they, she had struck down with some kind of mysterious disease. They couldn't fix it. Had her down here. Had her in Tennessee. My treasurer's husband got a, a, little, a little tickle like in his throat. It ends up being cancer. Man that sits over here in Vietnam, Agent Orange more than likely. Now he's got cancer. Since I've been down here they said that he's not able to digest the food that he's eating and they're going to have to stop the treatments and you know what that means a little lady that sits on the back back here they had to shave her head I'm talking about a day came in your life it may be physical it may be like the day in March 17 months ago and my son just a lot of things transpired. I didn't know if he's dead or alive. In a lot of trouble. 
And, and God reminded me from this verse that before the day was, I preached this so many times. I remember being in Georgia in an open air meeting. There was a guy built like you. I'm talking about a stout young man. And he, he was sitting there and he was a preacher. It was hot. He just had on a white shirt and a tie, but his arms were huge. And I was preaching and, and he just broke down like a 12-gauge shotgun fell in the altar. I mean, God was helping people. I didn't know what people's needs were. But we prayed and prayed and I finally got through and I went down beside him. He said, preacher, he said, he's a preacher. He said, my wife's left me. He said, she does not want to be a preacher's wife anymore. You know how many times, I, how many times you heard that? Hearing that a lot in these days. Job said in Job chapter 3, the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. I'm talking about prodigals. Just pulling up and leaving. Well, I, and I know, I know, I know, I know. I understand, but I, I've told you that every night. I understand everybody don't understand. I made the statement when my boys were young. I, I said, if they ever come home with alcohol in their breath, I'll stomp a mud hole in them. But that night I brought my son home. There wasn't no hitting. I was just trying to hold on to him. I remember in Luke 15, that was a daddy. And he had a boy that had been in the far country. That boy didn't run to his daddy. That daddy ran to his boy. Brother Alan Kirk, I don't know if y'all know him or not, but he knows a whole lot about Jewish history. He said it was not lawful for a father to run in the garments that he had in that time, but he ran. You say, what does that mean? In seatonology, I'll tell you what it means to me. He, that, that it was supposedly breaking the law for him to run, but he wanted to get to his son before the law got to him. Yeah. And he started kissing on him and he started loving him and he brings him home. I'm, I'm talking about a day coming that you never thought would come. I told you last night, those of you that were here, that horrific murder in the family took four people out. Over and over and over. The sad news of divorce. Nobody wants to ever talk about it. But yet it's affected probably every family in here in one way or form or another. I was in a meeting not long ago and there was a, a preacher there. He wasn't the pastor of that church, but he, he sat on the back row. We gave the invitation, here he come. He just broke down. Brother Josh, here's what he said after the service. He told me, he said, preacher, he said, my son is facing 25 years in the state penitentiary. I preached this message at WGCR. And I can't say the name, but there was a man, a very well-known man. His, his daughter is in Charlotte, wherever that federal penitentiary is down towards Charlotte. See, if the devil can get you to thinking you're the only one, everybody else's family's fine, everybody else's health and wealth, it's all good. I mean, if we just want to act like, you know, it, it ain't nobody else going through, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to single you out, make you feel like you're a failure. Hey, we all could have and should have and wished we would have, but we cannot change yesterday. There's an arrival of the day. I wrote down the day the sun, S-U-N, rose on your sorrow. Never saw it coming. The day your, your spirit and your senses were shattered. And I, I know y'all can take this, but it was the day God enrolled you in a school of suffering. I would have never chose it. 
I would have never, when the Lord saved me, if he had showed me the path, I would have never chose it. I wouldn't want to go to hell, but I would have said, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to stand at the head of my brother's casket and try to hold my mother together. I don't want, my wife, we've had two babies that were stillborn. And we'll get to see them again. But nobody ever expects that doctor to come in and say the heart's not beating anymore. I'm talking about the arrival of a day. Have you ever had a day? The Bible said there in verse 13, yea, before the day was. Before the day was. He said, I am he. Before the first day. Before Genesis 1-1. Before there ever was a day. And when I sat down at that desk and I had had probably the day of days. When my brother died, that was a bad day. But I know where my brother is. But when my son and all this was happening, I did not know. You remember David when he was crying over Absalom? He said, Absalom, Absalom, my son, Absalom, would to God I had died in thy stead. I don't know that David knew where Absalom was going. And that morning, as I sat down, I said, God, I can't go on. I can't get in the pulpit and fake it and just pull something out to try to appease the crowd and pass the time. And this Bible, the God of heaven said, yay, before the day was, I am he. I am he. They say that's plural. It's before the day. It's during the day. And it's beyond the day. It's I am he that'll never leave. I am he that'll never forsake. I am he that'll go with you all the way even to the end. I am he, that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I am he whose grace will be sufficient. I am he in your yesterday, in your today, and in your tomorrow. We said it last night. He knew these days were coming. But he, and he didn't stop it. But you know what he did just like for Israel? He delivered his saints in his due time. Notice the Bible said the, the, the arrival of the day that afforded delight. But then he said in verse number 13, he said, and there is none that can deliver out of my hand. There's none that can deliver out of my, I didn't understand that. That word deliver means there, there's nobody that can snatch you away from his hand. There's no situation you say, preacher, I'll never come out of this. My family's in Paris. The town knows everything. What am I going to do? How will I show my face again? I'm going to tell you what Brother Eddie Davis told me. He said, is it about you or is it about him? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Is your situation tonight about you or is it about them out there? I'm thinking about the ministry, and I know all of that has its place, uh, but that's what he's telling Israel. There is nobody, no thing that can snatch you out of my hand. You say, preacher, this is it. Well, do you not remember the last time you said this was it? Uh, you said this was going to take me down. Do you not remember the last time you said it would take you down? Notice what he said next. He said, I will work. That's a promise. That's a declarative statement. I will work. Do you think God can work things out of bad situations? God's working in you. God's working with you. 
And God is working for you. He's not through yet. If you let this stop you, it's not going to be the devil's fault. And we know it ain't going to be God's fault. You know whose fault it's going to be? It's going to be ours. Because he said, I will work. Can God bring sweet things out of dark places? Yes, he can. He said, I will work. And then he said another statement I didn't understand, the last one there in verse 13. He said, who shall let it? I thought, who shall let it? Let it be, let it happen. The word let right there, it means it's 7725 in the Strong's Concordance. It means turn it back. Who sh-? He said, I will work. Who shall let it? Who will turn it back? Who will hinder it? Who will stop it? If anybody stops you from continuing on in the course and the will that God has for your life, it'll be you and I. You say, preacher, you don't know. You don't know how shameful. You don't know all the details. I don't need to know, but God already knows. Uh, And he said, I will work. I will work. I will work. Can God do things? out of bad situations. I'd preached in, in Dayton, Tennessee and uh, there was a lady come up to me after the service and she said, uh, she said, preacher, she said, have you ever heard about Kinsugi? I said, Kinsugi. So I did what all preachers did. I Googled it. I thought, well, I'm in the Old Testament. Maybe it must be a Hebrew word or something. It's not Hebrew or Greek. Kintsugi was a Japanese emperor. And he had uh, an artifact that had been passed down from generation to generation. And in the process of that being passed down from generation to generation, it had become broken. It had become broken and it had become useless. And he wanted his shoguns, that's them guys with the big swords, he wanted them to put it back together. It's a family heirloom, been in their family for years. I mean, you can look it up after church, I ain't making it up, it, what she was telling me is real. And I was preaching for, them actually match. I was preaching for Brother Eddie Davis when, I, when she had told me that, and I went, the next place I was at was Brother Eddie's, and I was there in the Comfort Inn, I'm sure your pastor stayed there. Across from that Comfort Inn is an antique store, Biggin. And I went in there and I had a picture of this on my phone. I, I, I told her, I said, have you ever heard of Kintsugi? She said, oh yeah. It had become broken in the process of time. It becomes useless. One of the old writers said this. He said, man throws away things that are broken as useless. But God likes to take broken things and use them for his honor and glory. See, this is useless. I don't know if I can eat no more tonight, sister, because I ate too much today, but you can't put nothing on this. No biscuits and gravy. You can't, it's useless. And I'm going to tell you when you're dealing with broken people, that edge right there is sharp. You got anybody you're trying to help and they're broke. If you're not careful, you'll get cut. There's a daddy in Mark chapter number nine. He had a boy and that spirit in that boy would often throw him in the water and often throw him in the fire. You'll get cut. You'll get burnt trying to help those. I'm gonna tell you it's worth it. So he employed them shoguns. He said, I want you to put it back together. 
So what they did was they got a clear rosin and they put that clear rosin on the edges and they stuck them back together. And as they stuck them back together, it started to dry. But there's a term I've learned since I moved to Burnsville. It, it became all gommed up. Y'all ain't never heard that down here. I ain't never heard it in Knoxville. It, it, was, an, it was a gom. That's what it was. It had turned yellow and it raised. It looked awful. And Kintsugi told them shoguns, he said, this is a family heirloom. This is precious. This has been passed down from generation to generation. He told those shoguns, he said, I'm asking you. I'm ordering it. We're going to have to do better. So they go back and they take it back apart, Brother Stacy, And they start putting it back together. But this time when they start putting it back together, they put the rosin in, but they put gold in that dust and so everywhere it was cracked before now it's got gold filled in there I showed that lady a picture on my phone of what this right here looked like I said have you ever heard of Kintsugi she said oh yeah I said do you have any of these on my phone she said oh no she said what you're showing me on your phone she said they start at $1,500 and they go up to $7,500 you know what I thought right there? They're worth more after they're broken. That'll sink in in a minute. They're worth more after they're broken. I watched your daddy the other night watch you up here. They can't, I don't care if you ran for Tennessee and scored every touchdown. There couldn't be anything more prouder for Brother Allen than to watch his son in the ministry. I may never see my son in the ministry. He's got a tattoo right here that identified him in a place. He's got a sleeve, is what they call it now on this side. That don't mean he's going to hell. I don't know if he'll ever come next year and sit down beside of me. But you know what? God can do something with him. I've got a lady in my church. She was rough. I've got her permission to tell this. Sister Christina, she was rough. She quote probably any three of us in here. Talk about the men. She was rough. She handled a lot of situations for a cartel. Let me just say that, and y'all know what that means. And I, she handled a lot of the situations. She got saved. She got a tattoo here. She's got one here. She's got one back here, and these the ones that you can see. And every time she'd come out the door, she'd always drop her head down. And I, would, I don't ever touch a lady except my wife, and I have to chase her. But I, I wanted to just get her chin and lift her chin up and say, get your head up. Why have you got your head down? She's always got her head down. I preached one day at the church, just like I know it is here. All the gospel that you all have heard, all the truth that you all have heard, it's, it's tremendous. I know the capability of your preacher. He's preached for me. But it's not really effective if it stays in here. It's got to go out there. And I'd preach like that. And my people came by and they loved me. And they said, good preaching, preacher, and good preaching. You know, I'm standing at the back door. Well, here she comes. She's got that head down. But she's crying this time. She said, Brother Jimbo, I said, yes, Christina, what is it? She said, I... I I think the Lord wants me to go to jail and tell them women in jail about what he did. 
She's got a tattoo here. She's got one here. I said, go for God. Make a long story short, she couldn't go. You know, you have to have a background check. All, the Lord miraculously worked in that, miraculously. She got through that. COVID hit. She had to wait a little while. And Brother Stacy, y'all been to Burns? Well, she was on the town square, but she was praying for those women she had never met in that jail. And when she got in there, she said, I've been praying for y'all, but I've never met you. She got in there, and there was another elderly lady that would go in with her. And she, that elderly lady, you know, she had been going for years. But when they saw Christina with those tattoos and stuff, they said, hey, they said, she's one of us. And she said, ladies, she said, I'm not one of you. But she said, I used to be. I was coming out of Tennessee one afternoon, and she called, and she about exploded. She said, preacher, I got to tell you. She said there was one in there and she's getting ready to get sent off to the federal penitentiary. She hadn't talked, she wouldn't eat, she wouldn't speak to the jailer. But she said she saw me come in and she said I got to present her the gospel. And she said she told me that she got saved. She was so excited that she had got to lead. Hey, God can take people and use them in their place. I know some preachers tonight got the markings. Well, it becomes usable again. You see these big places? Can y'all see that back there? You see the big places? This ain't gold either. Please don't try to steal it. This is a Sharpie from Walmart. But you see them big places? The big places, I broke that plate. There is a Kintsugi thing that you can order, but it's $100, and that marker's 99 cents. But I was going to try to put that thing together with that $100 kit, but there were some pieces I couldn't find. So you know what happens out in the world? If you've ever been out in the world, you've got you to say amen. There's some pieces you can't get by. There's a lady in the Old Testament by the name of Naomi. She came home and she said, don't call me Naomi. She could say, call me Mara. She said, the Almighty hath afflicted me. You know what the word afflicted means? Broken pieces. See, that she had pieces that she had to leave down in Moab. There was two graves, three graves, her husband and her two sons. But you know what happened to them places I couldn't find the pieces to? I just put more gold in. I found out in the book of James that he giveth more grace. And unless you've had to have more grace, you don't understand more grace. Because had it not been for more grace, I wouldn't be standing here tonight. Several of us wouldn't even be in the building tonight. You sure wouldn't want to hear me preach if you'd have seen me before I got saved. But God giveth more grace. He giveth more grace. And it didn't break like this, but this is just for a, a point. You see that right there? That's a heart. I did that for my wife. Because that day that came in our life, I saw my wife crumble. You ever had your heart broke? A pastor's wife gets her heart broke. Oh, why, bless God, why don't she just jump back up? Well, if you ever put your heart in something, it's hard to get right back up. But you know what he'll do? You'll give more grace. It'll become usable. It's worth more than it was before it was broken. I put these on the back side. 
Because these are the, the backside of our situations. I don't know that anybody's like that here this evening, but you don't want nobody to know. You've come in these days and nights of meeting and you're broke. You're carrying it. You don't know how much farther, but we don't want nobody to know. I've been told I'm too transparent. I'm 200 and something pounds. I, you can't be too transparent. I had one man tell me, he said, you're too honest standing in that pulpit. I don't have a lot of education. You done figured that out. But if you ain't honest, you're dishonest. That transparent thing, it kind of, it did, it hurt me. I tried to act like I'm thick skinned, but it did. Because it was a mentor of mine that said that. But I had an old preacher down in Georgia and he said, you know what? He said, a dirty window can't let light shine in. But he said, if you clean that thing real good and let it become transparent, the light can come in. I said, thank you, sir. And I got back up and still preaching. I was preaching one night. I could tell you stories till the sun comes up. I was preaching in a service one night. There was an old timer. I know you preacher, but Stacy had known him. Old timer and his wife, they sat there and she is prone to take off shouting. And she was weeping and bubbling and I thought, well, we're getting ready. It's getting ready to happen. But she came up and here she came down. She wept through the rest of the message. She wept through the invitation. People were leaving and she was weeping. She finally got up and she, the, the, her husband preached with my daddy. And she called me Jimbo. It wasn't disrespectful. She said, Jimbo, you didn't know. I said, know what? She said, for two years, our daughter lived with another woman. She said, my husband was preparing her funeral message. They thought for sure God would kill her. But you know what God did? He giveth more grace. You say, well, Romans chapter 1. Well, there's a whole lot in Romans chapter 1. For you go reprobating everybody, you might ought to read the whole chapter. Had it not been for grace, the same guy that wrote Romans chapter 1 said, and such were some of you. And I wasn't all of them, but I was a few of them. And I thank God uh, that God's grace and God's mercy, God's salvation, that's how we're sitting here tonight. It's not by our merit or our goodness or our dues or our don't. It's just by the good mercy of God that we're here. But her daughter got saved. She plays the piano for one of the best churches in the western part of North Carolina. That's just what God does. I don't think anybody's sitting there thinking, well, I just don't know if this is true. I ain't even going to turn there because you know it. Jeremiah was thinking about Israel one day. So God said, go down to the potter's house. He looked in the potter's house and there was a works. You ever feel like your life's just going in circles? And there's a piece of pottery on there and God didn't like it. So he, that potter, Jeremiah looks in there and that potter, he took that vessel that was on the wheel and it was marred. In the hand of the potter. Not in the hand of the devil, the world, the fl- in the hand of the potter. And the Bible said, so he made it again, such as seemed good. <laughs> That's just what the Bible said. To the potter to make it. You got anything? You don't have to tell nobody. I told you the other night, my brother's favorite hymn was, I must tell Jesus. He's the one that can do something about it. I could tell you on and on and on stories. They're true. I was reading about Kintsugi. You can look at it when you go home. He got to liking what he was doing so much. He was displaying these. 
Isn't it amazing? Oh, Brother Lance Carpenter. They never met Brother Lance here, did they? Brother Lance. He was a minister of music. He was a minister to preachers. He wasn't qualified to preach. I don't know a man that I saw in my early ministry that studied more. Me and him would stay in rooms together and he'd let me sleep and he'd get up and go out in his van, had his commentaries. He would never preach one time because of things that happened in his early life. But he could take that guitar and there is nobody that could have discernment in a service. See, he said, who shall let it? If you, this is, you're going to define this. God said, I will work. I will do something. Who shall let it? Kintsugi got to liking what he was doing so much. You know what he did? He started taking them plates like that over there. He started breaking them on purpose. Peter said that there's some. Paul wrote to Thessalonica. Peter said it that there are some that are appointed unto affliction. I don't understand it all. I can't explain it all, but I'm glad God's able to pick up the pieces. Brother Langston's wife, Sister Mary, she'd sing that old song, pick up the broken pieces and bring them to the Lord. I can't do what you need done, but there's a God in heaven that can. Ever head bowed, ever eye closed. Thank you for the liberty to preach tonight. You'd like to bring your situation tonight. Would you like to cast your care upon him? You say, preacher, it's too far gone. There's no way, preacher. Our home's too far gone. My children's too far gone. My marriage is too far gone. Why don't we let God determine that? You say, preacher, I've made so many bad mistakes. I'm going to be like your Christina you're talking about. I'm just going to have to finish with my head down. Well, Brother Sammy Allen used to say, there's no streets in heaven.